And a one, two, three, four. Welcome everybody to the Life Point Table Talk podcast. My name is Jason, and I am here today with my brother Tyler. Hello, hello. Awesome to have us with us today. We are going to continue on our Bible reading reflection. We are all the way up to week 26. Wow. Week 26, cruising along here. I saw a meme last week that said, for those in a Bible reading plan, you now have half the Bible to catch up on. <laughs> half part of the year. <laughs> so, jump in. Jump in wherever uh, you are. You don't have to catch up. You don't have to catch up. Or Ignore the memes. You could uh, just do a whole lot of reading tonight <laughs> yeah, right. and uh, catch up. Uh, so we are uh, at Job. We uh, started last week. Uh, with the first three chapters. So we're going to start in Job 4, and we're going to go to Job 22. And we are in the book of Acts in the New Testament, and we are at 8 through 10. Uh, so we got a lot to go over here, and um, Job is a fascinating book. It's really... Um, it's it's uh it's uh challenging and and comforting and beautiful yes. and disturbing yeah all at the same time all, it's all of those things it's very poetic and um, um so we'll try to go through this um i would really uh uh encourage you to to actually read through it yeah what, what start start to finish yeah just just because i don't just just the poetry of it some of the wording and things it's really amazing in there mm -hmm. and uh we'll try to go th go through it maybe point some of those out but uh we'll try to keep it uh somewhat uh to the general arc of what's going on here uh so so we left off at three uh all this calamity had come on Job and his yeah. family, and they gave this sort of supernatural backdrop where God has a council, yeah. and the the little gods come to the big god, and Satan's there, and they kind of uh, uh, God challenges him <laughs> to take a look at Job. Yeah, and uh, so kind of gives him free license to do. All yep. but kill him. Yep, and so he does, and so Job's family has died. His his uh, fortune has been demolished and destroyed, and he's also uh, sick. He's got yeah uh, some kind of leprosy or, some sort of or skin thing something really sounds, nasty. Yeah, sounds brutal. Very painful, and so he's in total misery, and uh, he's in ashes. And uh, his friends show up, and his friends have come to counsel him. And uh, so let's let's jump into it. All right. Sure. So we're at Job four. Eliphaz, his friend, has showed up, and he speaks up, and he's encouraging Job about he's been a good guy and helped other people, 
which is interesting. Yeah. Because uh, he gets accused for the exact opposite later on. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say, too, is that it's like this first go around, Eliphaz is really nice. Yeah. And actually, all of them, it kind of it's kind of progressive. Yeah. As they talk more and more, it gets a little more biting and accusatory. Yeah, and, and that's why, why I think Job is can be so confusing because some of these things there's like a surface uh it sounds good but mm-hmm. they're really you using it wrongly yeah. the theology is all over the place it is in here where sometimes it's recording somebody saying something good and it seems right and sometimes it's actually a twisted thing <laughs> that they're saying right but it sounds good you mm-hmm. know and so, uh, and I yeah. think it speaks to our day and age too, because you hear it a lot with what even what I've been guilty of in the past, like just these kind of generalized platitudes and stuff you say to people that are hurting and broken and mourning. Mm. Yeah, and you kind of you sprinkle in good theology with it, yeah. but it's not always helpful and it's not always accurate <laughs> right, either. Right. And you don't know what they're going through, and you're not walked in their yeah. shoes. And, and it's amazing just reading through how much of this. Uh, the the very thing you're talking about is taken from Job. These kind of oh yeah, in, in times of trouble, yeah. people well, use Job as the a template for things. Yeah, you, well, you know, God crushes people's souls. <laughs> yeah. it's like, wait, what? <laughs> That's great. Uh, anyways, all right, let's keep going. Uh, so he's saying, so is your hope in that you reverence God? You have reverence for God. Do you have hope in that? Uh, do you really have hope that you've done uh, nothing wrong, that you haven't done anything wrong? And he lays out how people uh, reap what they sow usually when they do wrong, and God punishes them. And uh, he, he talks about how he had like a supernatural dream of some sort mm. where he God had spoke to him. And it said, no, humans are innocent in the eyes of God. He finds fault with them and the angels. Hmm. Um, basically, like you said, he's 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 being a little nice about this, but he's, he's starting to get in the uh, direction of you actually brought this on yourself. Yeah. You did something. You must have done something yeah. here. And that will get intensified later on big time. Yeah. And so we continue in five. Eliphaz continues... Uh, he says, call out, call out to the angels and see if they'll help. See if, Mm -hmm. uh, your prayers will be answered. Mm -hmm. Um, it talks about fools, foolish people are killed and families destroyed because they're foolish. People are born into trouble. Um, kind of a trouble comes with, from within us, um, uh, it's like an innate you you are you are born uh kind of, kind of you're born with this sin in you mm. it's bound to come out yeah and uh come on you um seek god and plead your plead your case and accept his discipline uh he wounds but he also heals yeah that was one that really stuck out to me that's kind of what we were talking about a little bit yeah just kind of that um I don't know, kind of a dichotomy of theology. Mm-hmm. He wounds, but he also bandages. He strikes, but his hands also heal. He will deliver you from six calamities. Yes, in seven, no evil will touch you. Yeah, amazing. Um, let's see. 
six, I believe Job is responding. Um, mm. My grief is immeasurable. God has struck me with his arrows. God is against me. Um, there's a lot of crazy poetry in there. I'm 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 giving you. A yeah, that was beautiful. Uh, really dry version of that yeah he said because i'll say this because it's so poetic sometimes it's hard to understand what in the world they're saying yeah because it's so well, and he's and so uh, uh colorful and like wait what what did he just yeah. even in the end you know it's old so it's like and yet the references say, and things he's like, referencing what? near uh <laughs> <Yeah>. ancient near eastern <laughs> religions and mythology and yeah, nature right. and and in seven it, that whole lament continues from six and seven yeah. and i wanted to read this this is from uh, robert alter's hebrew bible translation into english this is kind of a great example of what we're talking about that poetic beauty that's also just so entrenched with that mm -hmm. culture and context and time it says this as for me i will not restrain my mouth i will lament with my spirit and straits i would speak when my being is bitter Am I yam or the sea beast that you should put a watch upon me? It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And so, so uh, yeah, he's, he's lamenting all through here, six and seven. Mm -hmm. My skin is broken and festering. His eyes will never see happiness again. I will be dead and forgotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's almost wanting to die, really. His yeah. language. He's he's like you said. He said, "I'm gonna complain in the bitterness of my soul." Yeah. For soon I shall lie in the dust. You will seek me, and I shall be gone. So, he, he's he's at a breaking point here. He's not holding his tongue anymore. Mm -mm. He's suffered enough that that's it. He's just gonna let it let it rip, and he does. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, uh, let's see here. So and then chapter eight, that's, uh, build, we don't, I mean, by the way, these pronunciations, I have no idea, but Bill yeah, dad, the worst. we'll call him Bill dad. Bill dad. I like it. Yeah. Bill dad. He's, um, he's, he's a little bit of a punk. Bill dad. He's a little bit harsh. Yeah. So these exchanges start getting a little more terse. Yeah. Um, I actually, I, it seemed like the friends were really, uh, kind of respectful when they first show up because when they first show up, they don't even talk. For a week, they just sit with them and yeah. mourn. Uh, but then, when they really get into it, it gets it gets a little heated. Yeah, so and especially when Job starts to respond. Yeah, they get more heated in their response. Like, wait, dude. Yeah, because he attacks them too. No, he in does. His pain, and then they respond. Yeah, and it says right here in the beginning of chapter eight that more or less he calls Job a, a big windbag. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Words of your one. mouth, one huge wind. How long are you going to talk like this? Yeah, well, how long will you jabber? <laughs> Mike Renish yeah. says, how long will you jabber such things? <laughs> and he says, God is just and doesn't twist what is right. Mm. Uh, he mentions his children. He says, maybe your children sinned against God and got their penalty for it, which is, I would guess, made Job mad. Basically, you know, yeah. hey. I mean, you just lost your kids. Your kids had it coming, dude. Yeah, you know? well, they must have done something. And Thanks. That's not always the case. Yeah. Uh, if you'll seek God's grace and become pure and upright, he will restore you. This is what I'm talking about. Like, on the surface, that uh, that, se that seems like, of course, 
isn't that like like a very biblical thing to say <laughs> mm. you know what i mean you messed up you seek god's grace and he restores you that's great but in this context if everything's screwy because the yeah. whole point is he's saying but i am i was upright <laughs> yeah like what are you talking about yeah yeah and i love it bill even though he's a little harsh bill dad ends his for this his first speech in chapter eight with it's, it's it sounds beautiful he says, he will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with a shout of joy. Your foes will be clothed in disgrace and the tent of the wicked gone. Hmm. So it ends like on a positive. But yeah. the problem is it's a speech wrapped in kindness, but is still accusing him <laughs> of like sin and doing wrong yeah. and, and questioning his. I think it's interesting because there's a, there's a part of this is like you deserve it. Yeah. And and he's saying no, I don't. No, and I and this I this isn't right. What's happening to? Yeah. And he's right. And I it saw myself right. in Bill Dad's speech. I was like, oh man, I've done that to people. Lord, yeah. Lord, forgive me. Yeah. Oh, there you know, must be something to judge him on. Yeah. Underlying there. And so Job, we get into nine. He replies to Bill Dad. Uh, he says, you're right, but how can a human be just before God? Mm. If a mortal wants to contend or question God, the mortal can't answer one question from God. He is wise and moves the earth and commands the sun and the sea. He makes the stars. I don't understand him. Who dares to say, what are you doing? Mm. I, I love that, too, because all scripture points to Jesus. Mm. And I just instantly I saw Jesus right there in the beginning of chapter 9. How can man be right before God? Yeah. Well, we have that. We have the luxury of that knowledge. Yeah, there's a of lot. Jesus that, there's a that, lot. That's how through Jesus. There was. I was. And really our mediator, Hebrews oh, says, yeah, was it's so amazing. Like, Whoa, is he talking about Jesus? Like well, half I think the so. Time here, it's, it's inspired like, word of God. It's you know? really amazing. Um, so, little glimmers of hope throughout Job. Yeah, because he's bright. Mm. He's saying, "What? What can we do? Who could be just before God?" You know, they yeah. had. That's why we need Jesus. <laughs> yeah, uh, he says, "Even though I'm innocent, I can only plead for mercy. Um, I don't have the strength to appeal to justice." He's he laments throughout all of this. Yeah, uh, God just then then he starts. He he starts speaking even more directly toward God. God destroys the guilty and the innocent. He laughs at the despair of the innocent. He lets evil people get away with wickedness. Um, and I got to say, reading through this, I just look at the world today. Um, these conundrums are obviously still here. Yeah. You see it all the time. Yeah. Like, why... How are they getting away? <laughs> Where are we right now? Are we still in nine or ten? Uh, we're in nine. Okay, but we can go over to. Uh, well, no, because I you see the like I don't know if we need if there's much in ten to because he's just kind of continuing in yeah. ten. But I love that you said that because that's what I see in chapter eleven with Zophar. Mm -hmm. This is his first piece of his first speech on the scene. Yeah, um, this is what he's saying. His whole theology, and it sounds right, is that well, wait, God always punishes the wicked yeah that they get their recompense they get what's coming to them which job's gonna follow up with yeah nope <laughs> yeah not always dude 
Yeah. Not not what I'm seeing. And it's interesting later on they bring he starts bringing it into the afterlife. Yes. Later. Uh we'll we'll keep going. Yeah, I yeah, I yeah, love yeah, too yeah. some of the poetry there um talking about life speeding by. He talks about that a lot. The brevity of life. Uh Let's see. So yeah, he keeps going here through 10 um it's interesting. He he starts questioning if God can really understand humans. Again, I I I feel like pointing to Christ. Yes. You know, can you really understand a, a man tempted you know, in all ways? Yep. Way up there, what it's like to be a human on Earth? Can you see like we see? Uh, why was I even born? I should have died. I should have never existed. Should have gone from the womb to the grave. Now, Zophar speaks up in 11. Uh, yes, and I love this because Zophar hits the nail on the head. This is what Job has been saying and will continue to say. In verse 5, he says, Yet if only God would speak and would open his lips. Mm. And I think that's that's exactly what Job has been wanting. Yeah. Because God's silent through all this. He's yeah. not going to be. That's why we really recommend you read the whole story straight through. Yeah. Because it, it ends, you know, with God speaking. But that's what Job's saying throughout. Like, if he's, he's silent. He's silent through all of this. Yeah. And I love how he, start, he says, to the effect, just because you're talking a lot doesn't mean you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're just saying a bunch of stuff, dude. And so far, too, he's just like, come on, man. Just confess your sin. Let's yeah. Get it he, over with. He says God is... God, uh, and again, a lot of this is in poetic way, so I kept having to look at different notes and stuff, even to know exactly what he was trying to say. But he was saying something to the effect of, God God forgives sins you don't even remember. And, yeah. and the effect was like, this should, uh, you've probably done even worse things, and he's been gracious to you. So <laughs> almost like be happy with, the terrible thing that's on you because it should be even worse, um, which is so intense. Yeah, let's see. He says it's, where is it? As for you, if you prove faithful and if you stretch out your hands toward him, if iniquity is in your hand, put it far away and do not let evil reside in your tents. For then you will lift up your face without blemish. You will be securely established and will not fear. Yeah. So he's telling him like it's this they're they won't let it go. Like you there must be something you need to confess here. Yeah. There must be some underlying reason you're being judged. Yeah. That this is all happening. But we know what happened in that council in the opening chapters. Yeah. It's not the case. Yeah. He's a righteous, blameless man. Yeah. So Job responds in twelve to so far. Yes. He says sarcastically, oh, you guys are the wise ones. I love it. What that <laughs> Danny T says, without a doubt, you are the people. Yeah. <laughs> and wisdom will die with you. Yeah. It's like, well, aren't you guys the holy majority? Yeah, smarty pants. <laughs> um, he says, I have understanding too. He says, I'm a righteous man and I'm a laughing stock. Mm. Incredible. Uh, oh, man. And I love it too. He says, it's. He says more or less it's better to even look at creation than what you were saying. This is such a beautiful passage. He says in verse 7, But now ask the animals, and they will teach you, or the birds of the sky, and they will tell you, or speak to the earth, and it will teach you. 
or let the fish of the sea declare to you, which of all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this, and whose hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all the human race? Hmm. Like, it's amazing. Even yeah. in the midst of it, there's just like, it's incredible that Job's still able to say this. Yeah. Even with everything else going on. Yeah, he really does. Um, That's what we were talking about when we started, just like there are <laughs> these little pockets of, yeah. of things that reconcile and, and do make sense, even yeah. in the midst of the lamenting and the confusion and the uncertainty. Yeah. Uh, 13, Job uh, pleads his cause to God. Uh, uh, he says, I know what these friends know, mm. but I want to talk to God. I want to argue my case with God. These guys are liars. Uh, they're worthless. <laughs> uh, if you would just shut up. Uh, they basically start telling each other that quite a bit. You I, guys talk too much. Yeah, I felt like Job 13 felt like a little bit of a turning point yeah. as far as Job's arguments where he yeah. says, listen, <laughs> listen now to my argument. Be yeah. attentive to my lips contentions. Will you speak wickedly on God's behalf? Will you speak deceitfully for mm -hmm. him? Will you show him partiality? Yeah. It's like... Are you in my shoes? <laughs> yeah. And there's a famous line in there where he says, even if he slays me, I will hope with him, mm. in him. Um, oh, that's right. If you read some of the the different commentaries and stuff on that, it's uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. It, it Because it kind of has to do with uh, what I was saying earlier, the afterlife. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like... Uh, Eventually, this will pan out, even if even if I die, you know. Mm -hmm. um, which which is fitting because in in Job fourteen there is a straight up resurrection illusion. We'll see. Yeah, and so he keeps uh, finishes up thirteen lamenting. Stop torturing me! Why are you bothering with little old me? I'm like a little leaf. Um, are you bringing up stuff from when I was a kid? Uh, he talks about that. Uh, basically, yes. Yeah, even even I did as a young person. I did dumb stuff when I was a kid, and this does not deserve this yeah. punishment. So, um, yeah, fourteen. Um, he talks about the brevity of life. We grow like flowers and wither away. Um, trees are cut down and grow back, but a man dies and does not rise again. Just let me die. It's my release. Um, yeah, but it's so cool. He says there, he's talking about that. If a man dies, will he live again? All the days of my hard service, I will wait until my release comes. You will call and I will answer you. Hmm. You will long for the creature you have made. So he's talking about having died. Yeah. So there's a definite tone of resurrection there. Yeah. Which is pretty incredible. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, 15 Eliphaz answers. Um, uh, yeah, he's do, a little less nice this time. Do around. wise <laughs> men answer and argue with useless talk? You're not being reverent to God. You're leading people away from meditating on God and praying to God by wanting to argue with God. Mm. Which is interesting. Uh, your sin is inspiring the way you talk. 
You mislead with clever talk. Your mouth condemns you, not me. Um, are you on God's secret counsel? Yes. What do you know that we don't know? Uh, our, m- your friend's counsel is from God um, and should be enough. Um, they do point to their ancestors. He's, he says, I'll explain what our ancestors thought about this. A couple other places they talk about that. So there was a um, a shared idea mm. about some of these right. issues that they they both had. Um, wicked men suffer torment throughout their life. Um, he who charges against the Almighty will risk destruction. He will fail. Death is coming for the ungodly man. 16, Job replies. Oh, it's the best. The w- always with his mic drop openers. <laughs> the, the first one. I've heard many things like these before. What miserable comforters are you all? Yeah, so good. <laughs> Will there be an end to your windy words? <laughs> yeah, so good. So he's lamenting through here. We'll try to speed up. Yeah, through 16 and 17. Yeah. He says, when there is, uh, when th- where then is my hope? My hope who sees it? Mm. Will it go down to the barred gates of death? Will we descend together into the dust? It's utterly hopeless talk. But even even in that, like there's there's these glimmers of Jesus. Like it's not like yeah. is he, what is he? It's like all these uh, sneaky poetic things. He he obviously doesn't even know what he's saying. Yeah. Um. My blood will cry out. It's interesting he, he talks about that. Yeah, which has yeah. to be a reference to Cain because mm-hmm. he talks about the dust and the ground and mm-hmm. there's no way that's an which, accident. Which, which is also a reference to Jesus. Yeah. You know. We sing it all the time. And, and, the and because the very next part there, this is in 16, he's, he's, he calls on God to be his witness, an advocate, an intercessor. He, he contends with God on my behalf. Wow. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's incredible. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty powerful stuff there. Uh, Seventeen, he's continuing more mm. lamenting. Yeah. Um, Eighteen, I call uh, Bill Dad strikes back. Bill Dad is back. Uh, <laughs> Shuite, maybe also there. Uh, how long? Again, they start. How long are you gonna keep talking? Mm-hmm. Uh, you see us as stupid while you're tearing yourself apart with your anger. Um, yep. You've gone into this trap and calami- calamity yourself. You've done it to yourself. Uh, people see you and know you must be wicked. 19, Job answers, how long are you going to torment me? Uh, talking to his friends, I think. You should be ashamed. God has wronged me and he's the one who put put me in this net uh, yeah, oh, I love it. it starts off that way he's stripped me of my honor has taken the crown off my head yeah. he tears me down on every side until I perish yeah. he uproots my hope like one uproots a tree but then you see how Job 19 ends yeah. it's incredible one of the most famous passages in scripture and so um, he switches saying, have pity on me. Uh, I wish my words were written down and remembered forever. 
I know my Redeemer lives. Yeah, there it is. As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. Um, incredible. And, it, and it's just, he's talking about this idea of that even if it all goes wrong in the afterlife, this is going to be, at some point, this will be made right, which he's saying, I wish they could record what I'm saying because even you'll, after s- you'll this see trans- eventually... <laughs> When he comes to Earth and has his final say, he's gonna he's gonna vindicate me. This translation I have in front of me says, "And after they flay my skin mm. from my flesh, I shall behold God." <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's let's put that one on the church wall. Or yes, something. that's yeah. right in the front en- the front entrance. It's so raw and uh, awesome. Um, even after my death, when I see God in spirit without my body. That's, a, that's that part. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can I pursue God? Because he's the one who's causing my trouble. Um, and then he says, you are the ones who should be afraid, because when he judges me, he's going to judge you for falsely accusing me. Uh, 20, Zophar answers. And this is when they start going back and forth. He says, I can't ignore you when you're dishonoring me. I have to answer because you're insulting me now. You know the wicked life is fleeting. No matter how high the stature, he will perish. He will fade away and be forgotten. Uh, oh, yeah, this is the one, actually. I misspoke earlier. This is the one where uh, Zophar really def- defends a good guy that punishes the wicked. Yeah, he holds on to evil and won't let it go. It becomes poison to him. Darkness will consume him in his house. That's what God does to the wicked. Yeah. 21, Job replies to Zophar, if my complaint were against a man, you might be sympathetic. But because it's against God, you don't dare be sympathetic. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's, his kind of response to that, Zophar saying that God punishes the wicked, he says, well, why do the wicked go on living, grow yeah. old, even increase in power? Yeah. Their children are firmly established, yeah. their offspring before their eyes, their houses are safe and without fear, and no rod of punishment from God is upon them. Yeah. How are they getting away with that? Yeah. That's, God not, is so that's just, not cool. <laughs> God is so just, and this is how it works. Why are they getting away with it? Yeah. Um, and this is, this is really interesting because he talks about how they don't want to know God, and they push him away, and... Uh, they say, why should we serve the Almighty? Because our life is going great. And uh, I see this all the time. Yeah. Um, what is there to gain from following God? They're prosperous. And uh, But yeah. he says, this. he switches there at the end. He says their prosperity is not actually theirs. It's mm-hmm. God-given. Yeah. And that, that's... he, he it's weird because he can see it that they're still off, even though they're getting away with, seemingly getting away with it. They're not realizing that God still supplied all of this goodness for them. Right. And uh, he says, even though their life, they, those other people's life seems so much better, I will not embrace their principles. Uh, yeah, and we've talked about that before too. What it actually does l- being blessed look like? Yeah. Well, because he, it's, it's really like, more to do with that shalom, wholeness, and peace that comes with it, the stuff. But he, it, but th- I think that's part of what's so um, 
interesting about Job is because he's not having that. He's at the moment, yeah. At the moment, at the moment, yeah. he's uh, far from the shalom. But even I think because he's such an honorable dude, honorable guy, uh, he's saying I I still wouldn't go that way. Even though I'm in all this suffering, I can't do that because mm-hmm. it's even though they're getting all this prosperity and mercy and grace, it's obviously wrong. They're missing it still. Right. Um, kind of makes me think of Paul's words where he says that working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah. It's almost like what he's doing here. He's and it, and working really through he this. kind of he kind of insinuates that it's coming. Why does God store up their wickedness for their children? Why not put it on them hmm. and humble them now? Uh, some people live prosperous, happy lives and die, and some have bitter lives and die. They both go to the grave. Uh, there's a type of, uh, you know, intense uh, meaninglessness and hopelessness in what he's talking about there, too. Yeah. Um, no one calls out the wicked. No one repays them for their evil. Um, how can you console me w- when that is happening? And so we'll, we end here with 22 Eliphaz answers. Yeah. And really, that's the way it broke off, but it it's, might even be better for the next podcast because you're going to have Job's response to Eliphaz. Okay. We can hold off. Yeah. Hold off there. I think maybe so, because that's what, what you just said there at the end of 21 was awesome. Yeah. So they are still arguing. We'll leave there for now. Uh, yeah, it goes on for a while. With Mr. Job and his friends and God <laughs> and the council. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing yeah. stuff, guys. Check it out. Beautiful. Uh, let's jump over to Acts. We are in Acts 8 through 10. Uh, st- we left off last week. Stephen had just been stoned. And it mentions that Saul was there, and uh, he was holding the garments and was there in complete agreement with uh, killing Stephen. Yeah. And uh, great persecution now begins. I think they had a time there where they could move a little more freely, even though it was pretty tense. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it got... uh, uh, the persecution really ramped up at Stephen, and uh, Saul was part of this great persecution. He, comes he was on a the church. big part, and we're going to see here in eight and nine that it's kind of bookends with his persecution and conversion. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are great, there. It said a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and then after he gets converted, we're going to see it says, "And there was peace." Yeah, it's yeah, incredible. Yeah, he was a a major. Uh, he was a. He was behind quite a bit Behind there. it, yeah, yeah. A, a, a player in that. And uh, the apostles are forced to scatter throughout Judea and Samaria. Mm-hmm. So we, you'll, we'll see different apostles in different places. Yeah. This is why, because they've gotten scattered, because uh, they were getting persecuted. Mm-hmm. And you see God's plan, though, working through all of this. Because it's the the words of Jesus, right, in the opening lines, that, <laughs> that you will be witnesses in Jerusalem. Yeah. Samaria, Judea, yeah. and here we are. Whether you like it or not. Yeah, and, here, and Acts 8 <laughs> is Samaria. Here we go. Yep. And uh, it talks about how Saul begins his mission there to destroy the church, going house to house, mm-hmm. dragging them off to prison. 
And then we jump over and we find Philip has ended up in Samaria. So he's, good. He's man. preaching Christ there. Um, I love Philip's just one of those characters in the Bible that I treasure because he's not in the forefront. He's not like on everybody's lips every Sunday sermon. Yeah, that's true. But he's just a, another example of just a faithful follower of Jesus yeah. doing awesome things. Yeah. And uh, he's there uh, uh, preaching the gospel. It says they were attentive with one mind and they saw miraculous signs. Mm. I think that gets people's attention. Yeah, and especially, if, I think that's intentional in the story right here because you're going to see a little spiritual warfare between those Holy Spirit signs and wonders and Simon the magician. Yeah. Just so cool. Yeah. It says, many who were possessed were freed. They came out with loud shrieks. Um, wow. And many paralyzed were healed. There was great joy in the city. And there was a man named Simon who practiced magic and and was amazing people in that area for some time. Yes. Um, he claimed to be someone great, Simon the Great. Yeah. Um, the power of God called great? Isn't that what it says, I think? A translation uh, I had said, claimed to be someone great. Oh, okay. Um, it's amazing how they're so different. So people uh, begin to believe Philip People are being converted and baptized, and uh, even Simon, the great musician, uh, believes and is baptized. He's amazed by the signs and wonders, and he starts uh, following Philip around. And uh, it jumps over, and it says how Peter and John are sent to Samaria uh they have heard what's going on, the revival that's breaking out there, and so they come, and they come to pray, f this is interesting, pray for it people is. to receive the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit had not yet come on them, they were only baptized in the name of Jesus. Uh, yeah, wow. Pr probably too much for this podcast to wow. really dive down, <laughs> but you see this throughout Acts the order is often scattered. Sometimes you're baptized first. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's first. Sometimes this happens first. Sometimes that's followed by this. Yeah. And it's like a separate thing. Mm -hmm. And like uh, important. Mm -hmm. and not I, like not a deal. I, I'm reading a commentary on Acts by Ben Witherington, which is fantastic. I highly recommend it. And uh, he mentioned that it just felt like it was such a big moment, too, because this was a whole new phase. Like we talked about in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and beyond, that this was a whole new level of the gospel reaching different people. So these apostles, these leaders, it's like not that Philip was inadequate, but they came to put their like seal of approval on it mm. and the seal of the Holy Spirit. So just an yeah, interesting that makes thought sense. That makes because sense. it was such a big next step. Yeah. Because for the most part, it was just Jewish yeah, people you'll believing in we, Christ. We get into that. that yeah. It didn't. It's incredible. They, you can see the mindset when we get to Peter and the, and the, the Gentiles there. They, they weren't thinking modern day. Uh, uh, missionary kind of deal. Mm -mm. Um, um. So, so they're laying hands on people and they're receiving the Holy Spirit, 
And Simon sees this and offers the, Simon the magician, uh, sees this and offers the apostles money to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And... Uh, not the right response. Yeah, Peter's not having it. He says, may your silver perish with you. Yes, and I read in the original Greek, it literally says, may you and your silver go to hell. Nice. Go to destruction. Nice. Um, you think you can buy God's gift. Your heart is not right, and you have no share in this. Um, repent that you can be forgiven of this. Uh, you're really just jealous and envious of the gifts. Um, which is really, which has been a bit of an underlying theme in Acts so far. Yeah, the correct heart, the yeah. correct filling, what you're filled yeah, with. Yeah, people were wanting to be a part of it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, which uh, which hasn't changed in no. two thousand years. Yeah, um, and it ends there. Well, we're moving on to the eunuch, right? Simon asked Peter to pray for him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Peter and John, um, which is interesting. It, it kind of leaves it off there. Uh, yeah. Is Sim- it sounds is like Simon... He repented, maybe? Yeah, and also it sounds like mercy. maybe he didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it, maybe. Because here's the weird thing to me, just the language that Simon replied, because it says, he. Uh, yeah, Peter tells him to pray. And then Simon's answered, I don't know, this, maybe I'm reading too much into yeah. it, but it seems like his, his response is, you pray. <laughs> you pray the Lord. Like, just, I don't know, just questioning a little bit of his sincerity there, but maybe not. Hopefully not. Hopefully he was good to go. Yeah, he kind of seems like a slimy dude, uh, but Th- then it, it also did say he converted, so I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. It said he believed earlier on, so... Yeah. Uh, so they returned to Jerusalem rejoicing over Samaria and proclaiming the good news. Then we get into an angel appears to Philip and tells him to get up and get on the road heading toward Jerusalem. I love that. In verse 26, I think it's huge. You see this throughout Acts. We're going to see it again, I think, in the next chapter and maybe the next. Uh, this theme of get up and go. Mm. Get up and go. Yeah. And you and I were talking the other day in the office about that, that with the children of Israel in the Old Testament, they had more of a centripetal existence where it was all focused into the center of that individually called people yeah, and that community. And now all of a sudden that the Holy Spirit's on the scene, filling and leading and guiding everyone, now all of a sudden this people of God movement has become centrifugal, going mm-hmm. out from the center. Yeah. And it's just this go language, go, get up and go, get up and go, get up and go. Yeah. And I love that it's so much of this is commissioned by a supernatural thing, yeah, like an a angel. D- divine intervention. Yeah, just like in the gospel accounts, like an angel showed up and said, all right, this is important. Yeah, there's these moments where it's like, it's there's sometimes when God just, uh, it seems like, there's a free will letting things work itself out. And there's other times where it's like angel, I'm I'm getting involved directly (laughs) in this situation. It was such a, uh, I don't know if I went uh, fragile or just important Mm. time period right then. Um, And putting his seal on it. Like this is, and it's interesting. This is what it was about. Yeah. He goes to the road on the way to Jerusalem and there he meets an Ethiopian eunuch who's a court official for the queen of Ethiopia. 
and uh, he's sitting in his chariot, taking a break on his way home, and he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit tells him, go join him. So Philip goes, and he hears him reading uh, from Isaiah, and Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And the man says, how in the world can I? If nobody's going to help me. I love that. That should be like a go-to verse right there for just discipleship and yeah. just preaching the gospel. How can people. I understand like, the Bible? It's crazy. Yeah, someone <laughs> needs to guide me. Yeah. Uh, so he invites Philip to come up in his chariot and help him. He's reading Isaiah 53, 7 and 8. He w- I'm going to read it here. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In humiliation, justice was taken from him. Who can describe his posterity? That's like, uh, how could they be so insensitive, Mm. not knowing who this was and where he was from and who his family was, meaning Christ, meaning from God. For his life was taken away from the earth. Um, Wow. The eunuch says, who is this? And from that scripture, Philip begins, starts uh, to tell him the good news of Jesus. Uh and I guess they had started riding at that point because uh, they're going along and they see some water. Yeah. And he, uh, the eunuch asks to be baptized. And so they stop and Philip and uh, the Ethiopian jump out and they get in the water and they're being bab- He baptizes them. Uh, says, when he come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip um, and transports him to another city. <laughs> Uh, Azotos, um, <laughs> wild. Uh, he gets beamed over to another city, mm. and uh, again, it's this d- d- divine intervention. Uh, he's not even being told to go there at this point, he's just getting there. Uh, and so he shows up there and he starts preaching the good news there as well. Um, yeah, you're right. We don't we don't hear a lot about Philip, but th- I love that. My goodness. What, yeah, like what, what ma- faithfulness. What, I mean, what amazing was, uh, story that's uh, with him here. It's incredible. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think later on, much later on, like in the 20s, chapter 21 or something, I think his daughter is coming to play too. Hmm. Pretty sure. Yeah, it's just incredible. Yeah. Like it's a amazing, amazing. Acts eight. Yeah. Incredible. And so we switch over. It goes back to Saul. Meanwhile, Saul, still threatening to murder the disciples, gets a letter from the high priest to go to Damascus to arrest, the, arrest those who belong to the way, uh, which that. what they were calling Christians at that time. Uh, and so he's going along the road to Damascus, and a light from heaven flashed all around him. And he falls to the ground and hears a voice that says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul says, who are you? The voice says, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. Uh, get up and go to the city, and you will be told where to go. Another get up and go. Um, and I don't, maybe, I had to look, because I knew this was the part where it says it's hard to kick against the prigs, and it wasn't in a lot of the translations. That's later. There's three different ones in Acts. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's three different... Um, 
examples of his conversion story, but and, I found and they're it, different. But I even found it, though, right here. All three are different. There's one translation that I forget that put, what it that was. That sneaks it in there? That okay. has it in there, because I love that. I love that saying. What makes you think of the Johnny Cash song? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, it's a great analogy, too. I mean, man comes around. Fantastic. Oh, it's great. Uh, so he says, go to the city, and you will be told where to go. The, the guys who are with Saul, is his companions, uh, are shocked. They hear the voice, but they didn't see anything. Uh, that makes me think of uh, Mount Sinai. Yeah. Just another theophany. Yeah. It's just incredible. Saul gets up, and he's blind. They have to lead him to Damascus. Uh, three days he can't see. He doesn't eat or drink. Yeah, which not drinking—that's a big deal. He's in total shock. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about that. How he was—he—he—he he, he was the driving force in this persecution. So he was like a zealot who just got literally zapped. His whole world. <laughs> I mean, he just hit a wall here yeah. and complete. 180 like i i don't think uh yeah i don't think this he uh, w- he wasn't fasting i think he was in shock no yeah <laughs> i think he's just totally freaked out and uh again divine intervention here uh there's a disciple in damascus named and ananias yeah another here's another like philip unsung yeah. hero yeah incredible yeah I mean, if this guy wasn't here at this time. Yeah, if he said nope. Jeez, uh, goodness. I guess God would have moved on to the next per- faithful person. Well, but you still, see, it's, it's like going to happen, though, because it's a divine intervention. The Lord tells him mm-hmm. in a vision, in a vision uh, go to Judas's house, and you'll find a man there from uh, Tarsus named Saul. Yeah. This is another, my translation says, <laughs> get up it. and go. I love it, though, because get up and go. I love when these supernatural things happen and people just still argue with god uh but god hits saul and he's after the church and he uh you know he's been persecuting (laughs) us and and the lord says this lord i've heard from many people (laughs) uh this this uh, divine uh uh calling here Mm. god uh, go, he is my chosen instrument to carry the message to the Gentiles and the kings and the people of Israel. Uh, amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the next line's incredible too. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Yeah. Just on the heels of all the suffering he was causing for the yeah. sake of the same name. Isn't that yeah. incredible? Yeah. Uh, so he goes and finds Saul and he lays his hands on Saul and tells him, uh, the Jesus who appeared to you on the road is the same one who sent me. Um, yes. So that you could see again and be filled with the Spirit. I love that. Be filled with the Holy Spirit is so huge. And I love to. You can see again. Mine says it calls him Brother Saul. Like, yeah. not only was he faithful to do it, but it seems like he did it in a good heart. Like, my Brother Saul. Yeah, it's amazing because I think. This guy placed his hands on him. Uh, Ananias, he came, uh, like, graciously, tenderly to him. Yeah, he was in shock. He could have come, you know, browbeating him for yeah. for persecuting the church. Like, hey, yeah. like, or at least done it reluctantly. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, okay, I'm here to pray for you. Yeah, but he came 
Um, so he lays his hands on him. Um, let's see, where was I? Seventeen. Um, the scales fall off of uh, Saul's eyes. He can see again. He gets up and he's baptized. Uh, for several days, he is with the disciples in Damascus, and he immediately <laughs> begins preaching Jesus in the synagogues there. Awesome. Um, I think Saul was just a hyper intense dude. It uh, seems like it, from his letters too. <laughs> but he just immediately got. I mean, he's uh, <laughs> just such a one eighty, but not just a one eighty. He's aggressively going in. Well, and as he was aggressively persecuting the church, yeah. he's now aggressively and it preaching. Says everyone's the amazed because they know who he is. He was just persecuting, and they're confused. Yeah, like I could, I could totally understand that. Like, yeah. is this should we? Is this like a trap? <laughs> <laughs> right. Is this a setup? And it's wild because he immediately goes and gets in an argument. Uh. With it says some Jews from from Greece, and they plot mm. to kill him. Yeah. Um. So he's he's uh. He's he's like uh, he's a firecracker man. He he's right in it immediately, and so because you, it's interesting because it, the people the other disciples there, I don't think we're doing this. You know. Not like him. Doing what? G- going and confronting everybody. Oh, yeah. At, at the temple. <laughs> he, yeah. just, he just immediately goes into yeah. the fray. It seemed like they were responding to that sort of thing, the yeah. other guys, but they weren't like instigating it. And they have to much. help him escape. Uh, <laughs> bas- it's in a basket. Yeah. Over a wall. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> and so he escapes. He goes uh, back to Jerusalem. He tries to dis- to see the other disciples. They're afraid of him. Uh, eventually, Barnabas takes him. Another amazing unsung hero. Yeah. Little, little less unsung, but still. And he pleads uh, Paul's, uh, Saul's case to them, tells them everything that's been happening. Um, mm. And so he stays with them in Jerusalem. He's speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And here it is in 31. Um, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria experienced peace. Yeah. And was strengthened. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. That was the part. Sorry. When he gets to Jerusalem, he m- immediately gets in a fight. With the Greek-speaking Jews. Yeah, that's that part. <laughs> <laughs> so where he's just he's just drawn to, like... They were trying to kill him. Yeah, he immediately <laughs> goes in for the... For the fight, he's and I love this too. That you kind of have to wonder if, if you could just be in a fly on the wall. It says when the brothers found out about this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. Yeah. Like, all right, dude, yeah, let's was, get you. Yeah, let's was, get you somewhere else for a minute. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, he was more zealous than anybody. Like, he was immediately stirring up trouble yeah. wherever he went. Um, Amazing. See it later too with the council. And so they switch over here. uh, Tell a story about Peter. He is traveling and preaching. Um, So amazing! A double healing story. One man, one woman. Yeah. There's a man there who's who's confined to a mattress. Uh, Peter says, "Christ, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed." And he does immediately. Uh, Everyone who lived there sees it. And uh, 
And they says they turn to they the Lord. They turn to the Lord. I love so the simplicity that Jesus Christ heals you. Mm. It's just simple and yeah. powerful. And then we go over, then he's in Joppa. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a disciple named Tabitha. Which means gazelle. Mm. And, that, and then the Greek version of her name is Dorcas. Yeah. Which, oh. all, which is Greek for gazelle. Yeah, I like, I like gazelle better. Yeah. Um, Tabitha, who became sick and she died, they call on Peter because uh, he was in the region. He comes to Joppa. Uh, he comes, they're all mourning and weeping, and Peter sends him out. He kneels down and pray. I love this. He says, Tabitha, get up. Mm. And she opens her eyes and sits up, and he presents her to all the people there. It becomes known throughout the, the city in that region, and many come to the Lord. It's such a parallel to Jesus when he raised the young girl. Yeah. Uh, then we get Beautiful. over into uh, 10, story of the centurion named Cornelius. Uh, yes. And so what we were talking about, you get a little insight into where these guys' heads were at. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and just incredible the way uh, the world is, the way the world was. This this centurion named Cornelius mm-hmm. is, is a great guy uh, who is a good God-fearing man, mm-hmm. uh, but he's, he's not a, a religious Jewish person. And he did a, it says he did a lot for his community, uh, giving. Uh, he has a vision uh, in the middle of the day by an angel. The angel says, your acts of charity and your prayers have been seen as a memorial or a sacrifice, acceptable sacrifice uh, to God. Yes. Leviticus would say a pleasing aroma. Incredible. Uh, have your men go to Joppa and get Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's interesting though, that, that your acts of charity have been seen, uh, reading through Job. Uh, yeah, in parallel. He, he is keeping track. He is watching what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, while they are on their way to go, uh, to get Peter the next day, Peter is there. He's on the roof praying. Uh, while he's praying, it says a trance comes over him. He sees heaven open, an object like a sheet coming down, held by its four corners. In it were all kinds of animals. Uh, I, I love it, too, though. I don't think it's an accident. Right before that, first ten, it says he became hungry hmm. and wanted to eat. Then he has a v- supernatural vision about food. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I can relate to that one. Yeah. Uh, so the sheet comes down. It's full of animals, uh, reptiles, maybe snakes, birds. Yeah. Uh, and voice says, get up, slaughter, and eat. He says, no way, I've never eaten anything defiled or ritually unclean. I love that, to to his creator. He and says, this is, no. <laughs> this is literally uh, uh, the divine turning point you were talking about from the... It's huge. The and, the, and the Ethiopian eunuch was a foretaste of the and beyond. So yeah. Judea, Samaria, and beyond, because this is the beyond. This is the yeah. end of the earth. This is the Gentile. This is the, the nations. From the inward to the outward. Yes. Reaching. Incredible. Um, and so, um, so, so it said, get up and eat. He says, no way. I've never eaten anything defiled. Then the voice says, what God has made clean, you must consider or say, uh, don't. Uh, sorry. What God has made clean, you must not consider or say, is unclean. Mm-hmm. 
this happens three times, then it goes up into heaven. Uh, while Peter's still puzzling over this vision, the men show up uh, from Cornelius and ask for Peter. Mm. The Spirit tells Peter, look, three men are looking for you. Go with them immediately because I have sent them. Uh, Peter actually has them stay over. Yeah, stay which was huge. That day. Like a big deal. Yeah. The Gentiles into your house and yeah. entertain them. The next day they go to Joppa to see Cornelius. It's another uh, get up and go. Verse 20, get up, go. When Peter shows up, Cornelius, this is this is what I'm talking about. This is so wild. He falls at his feet and worships him. Yeah. He's obviously, you know, he's a good uh, God-fearing he's, man. He's but on he, the right track. But he is but not... Not uh, there. Yeah, he's... Yeah. He's not trained or or known uh, in the things of God. Obviously, he worships a guy, this guy that shows up, and um, yeah. Peter makes him stands up and says, "I'm a, I'm just a mortal." Um, uh, Cornelius had gathered all of his family and relatives. I love that. I do too. So I cool. read that. I was like, I wonder, I was like, because I thought, have you ever been especially in ministry, like where you walked into a situation you weren't prepared for? Yeah. I feel like that could be with Peter too. Like, <laughs> wait a minute. What's this is like here? 50 people. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not prepared. Yeah. And so uh, they're, at, they're there. There's all these people there, his whole family. He's so obviously so excited. He literally just tried to worship Peter. Uh, he's had this divine uh, and intervention and, here. And open. And there's something there for what's about to happen with the Holy Spirit. I yeah. think that's not an accident. Yeah. The openness. And he says, you know, as a Jew, it is unlawful for me to associate with Gentiles. But God showed me I should not call anyone defiled or unclean. So I came without arguing. Why mm. have you asked for me? Cornelius tells him about the angel that appeared to him and said God remembered his acts of charity and wanted him to send for Peter. So... Uh, Peter says God really doesn't show favoritism with people. Yeah. And uh, in any nation, anywhere, the person who fears him and does what is right is welcome before him. Peter then testifies of Jesus and his death and resurrection. Mm. Uh, I love it because he's Peter's known for his smackdown sermons. Like coming at those that crucified Jesus. Yeah. This is kind of the toned down version yeah. for the Gentiles. Like it's the same truths, but a little less, <laughs> a little less aggressive, a little yeah. less in your face. Yeah. Everyone who believes in him, uh, receives forgiveness of sins. Um, he talks, he talks about how God commanded them to preach to the people and warn yeah. them that he is the one uh, appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. So while he's still preaching, I love this, while he's still talking, in the middle of talking, while Peter Peter's still speaking, the Holy Spirit falls on everyone yeah. who's listening. The holy interruption. The Jews who were with Peter are shocked mm. that the Holy Spirit was on these Gentiles uh, because they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Um. Peter says they have received the Holy Spirit like us. Uh, <laughs> I love it. They had just experienced this, this intense encounter. Yeah. And so he knows what's going on. Like yeah. What well, the, 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 com the, the commentator, Ben Witherington, I was reading, he calls it the Gentile Pentecost. Mm -hmm. mm. It's incredible. It's awesome, yeah. Yeah. I love it. 
And uh, so it ends there. Uh, he gives orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And he stays <laughs> with them for several days. I love it. No one can withhold the water for these people to be baptized, yeah. can he? Yeah. And there you go. There's the, the order. There's Great no thing. like specific boilerplate order of things, you know? There's yeah. just this bap- baptism this way, baptism that way. Yeah, that's true. It's just the Holy Spirit at work, in power, leading, guiding. Well, I think, yeah. I just, it's incredible. It had to to be. There was, it was literally just started. Yeah. I mean, you talk about organic, (laughs) you know, (laughs) humble beginnings. And it it is and it isn't because over and over during this time, God's getting involved. He's directly yeah. involving. Here's an moving, angel. Moving There's people an angel. around and yeah. showing up. Here's and the Holy Spirit falling. Yeah. Fantastic. Yes. Awesome. So uh, thank good. you, Ty. Love going through this with you. Yeah, me too. Um, I love the Word of God. It's just incredible. Great stuff this week. And uh, um, hope you all are able to um, read along and get into this. And uh, uh, we're going to keep plugging away and uh, keep tuning in and we'll be back next week for week 27 and uh, we'll continue with uh, the story uh, of our brother Job mm-hmm. and uh, the early early church here in Acts awesome stuff y'all hope you have a great week thanks for tuning in be blessed All right, bye. Bye.